0: A nickname that can stick. Muscles. It's good. How's everyone going? It's good to be here. Have you gathered online in your Airbnb, your caravan, maybe just the comfort of your house? It's great to have you uh, with us as well. And uh, as we've mentioned, we are starting a, a new series today called Gospel Life, and uh, an idea of what does it mean to live lives that present the good news of the gospel to, to those uh, around us, and often. When I think about this, I think about Alpha, I think about these great opportunities that I have to maybe go and tell uh, other people uh, about the good news, maybe give them an invitation to something. Uh, You know, evangelism kind of can be a funny word sometimes, it it can be used as an excuse to go and tell someone uh, what's wrong with them or tell them what they need, but uh, really it's about being people that carry the good news of the gospel everywhere we go. And this morning I wanted to take a... You know, we're going to um, be looking at this over a few weeks, but to take a perspective of what does it look like, rather than to go and tell as a starting point, but to come and see. And so, the whole idea this morning is that we—I'll just let the cat out of the bag. The big idea of this is this morning is that we cannot show someone an experience of Jesus if we haven't had one for ourselves. And so, we're going to have a look this morning at a a bit of scripture uh, where some people have a a different kind of experience of, of who Jesus is and how it shapes them. But was thinking about all this and, and unexpected uh, gatherings or visits or maybe things in your life that you expect one thing and you get another. I remember uh, early on dating my, my girlfriend, who's now my wife, Zoe. I invited her. We got invited to an engagement party, and I thought, yes, free date. Uh, this will be awesome. We'll, we'll take her. Someone's putting on a party. You know, I, I wasn't overly rich then, not that I am now, but I was less rich then, Uh and I remember thinking, I'm going to take her to this party. And the problem was I was given the invitation. That was the, the number one fault of my friend whose engagement party was he gave me the invitation. I never saw the invitation. I never laid eyes on, like I obviously saw it physically, never read it, don't know where I put it, didn't go on my fridge, I had no idea. So all I said to Zoe is my friend's getting engaged, we're going to go to a party, do you want to come? It's like, I love parties, let's go. Uh, So we get dressed up, ready to go to this party, we rock in, I'm pretty sure I happen to be wearing like a fluoro, kind of like maybe pink shirt or something, like just something bright, I thought, you know, just want to stand out, and we're walking into the party, I'm kind of looking, and everyone's looking like pretty dressed up, and I'm like, this is unusual, Uh, why is everyone wearing white? Um, It was a white, (laughs) like a white outfit party, both of us roll in wearing like bright clothes, Everyone's like, my mate's like, are you having a, are you having a laugh? Like, are, you, are you trying to be funny? And I was like, I, I, I still don't understand what's, what's going on. And so I was like, did you read the invitation? And I was like, what invitation? And my mate comes out, he's like, mate, you can't just be walking in. It's, like, it's a white formal dress. Like, you can't be rocking in in your fluoro T-shirt. It's a completely unexpected <laughs> invitation, if you will. So not only was I in the bad books with my friend, I was now also in the bad books with my girlfriend who I hadn't been dating for that long. And ever since that time, the invitations, if you're going to invite me to something, Zoe's over there, just give it to her. She'll guarantee that one will be there and two will be dressed appropriately. But what I'm trying to kind of explain to us is that sometimes we can roll up to something expecting one thing and it can be completely something else, can't we? You can, you can maybe roll up, not read an invitation and, and get the dress code wrong. Uh, you know, I used to love telling people that parties were fancy dress if they didn't know what it was and hope that they would roll up like in a weird outfit or dress completely different to someone else uh, until it happened to me, then I immediately stopped doing that. But we can have these expectations on what we think our experience of something is going to be. And often we can have very little control over that, or if we read the invitation, a lot of control. But sometimes there's something really exciting and cool about an unexpected thing at a gathering. Then there's those kind of ones. But there's two women in the Bible who are rolling up uh, to somewhere. They're they're actually rolling up to find Jesus. It's just after Jesus has been crucified. It's in Matthew 28. We're going to read these verses together. And they're going and they're expecting something. And let's check it out. It says, After the Sabbath ended at the first light of dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary... Rough, she doesn't get a proper mention. Went to look at the tomb. Suddenly the earth shook violently beneath their feet as the angel of Yahweh descended from heaven. Lightning flashed around him and his robe was dazzling white. The guards were stunned and terrified, lying motionless like dead men. Good tip if you're feeling scared, play dead. Then the angel walked up to the tomb, rolled away the stone and sat on top of it. The women were breathless and terrified until the angel said to them, there's no reason to be afraid. I know you're here looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen victoriously, just as he said. Come inside the tomb and see the place where our Lord was lying. Then run and tell the disciples he has risen from the dead. I give you this message. I am going ahead of you to Galilee and you will see me Talk about an unexpected invitation, right? They're, they're going, their friend, their, their leader, the, the person they've been following for, for years that has been crucified and died. Now, we have the, the beauty of hindsight, so Jesus died, and what happens? He rises again. Sorry if that blew the story for anyone this morning, but the reality is they're going to the tomb as if it's like going to a funeral. You're going to pay your respects to your leader, your friend your family member that's passed away. So they're not heading there probably with any sense of excitement, probably still confused about what they thought about Jesus and who he was and what that meant and the great things that he was doing. And then suddenly, really quickly, he's betrayed and killed. They're going to mourn the death of Jesus. They're on their way to the tomb to, to mourn the death of Jesus. And they get there and there's an angel who like just rolls in with all like the lightning and thunder so much so that the armed guards play dead. And then he pushes the I love this he pushes the stone away and then like he sits on top of it, right? Like hey, what's up? And they are terrified because it's not what they expected. They're expecting to go and mourn Jesus in the tomb. And they get this news. He says this, he says he is not here. He is risen and he is victorious. Now imagine that's quite confusing. So the angel helps him a bit more and says, don't be afraid, he's not here. But come and see for yourself. If you don't believe me, come, and, come, come come with me. Come and see for yourself. And they go in, they have a look, sure enough, he's not there. He's no longer in the tomb. He's risen and he's victorious. The question I want to put to us this morning is, is Jesus still in the tomb to us, or has he risen from the dead? And it's a really easy question to answer with your head knowledge and go, yeah, I I read the Bible. I've read this bit before, I've I've, I've watched the, the Easter movies. He rose from the dead. It's almost like Christian history. But I think when I look at my own life and how I live it sometimes, I don't live as if I'm in a relationship with a Jesus that rose from the dead. In fact, he sits in the tomb of my life, just there. Yep, I believe in Jesus. This 21 days was like this whole eye-opening thing for me for how often I just dismiss Christ in my life. Did anyone else kind of find that? You found heaps more time where you were reflecting and thinking about Jesus. Maybe you read more of the Bible. Maybe you read more books. Maybe you went on prayer walks and you prayed more. I found the more that the 21 days went on, the more my ears were open, my eyes were open, my heart was open to who Jesus was and wanting to experience more of that. Spend more time praying, more time reading. The challenge now, as as Michelle said, is just to not fill all that time back up with everything that was taking it up in the first place. But we can live these lives with what I'd call a tomb perspective. That Jesus is still in the tomb. That Jesus died for my sins, and I I appreciate that so much. And thank you, Jesus, for for dying on the cross. And yes, I know you rose again, but I'm going to leave you here dormant in my life, irrelevant in my life. Believe, yes. Maybe have some good habits in place. Maybe I'll, I'll go to church. Maybe I'll be a bit disciplined with reading my Bible. Maybe I'll do those things, but... Really, when you think about your life and and how much relevance Jesus has in it, he's in a tomb. The stone's rolled over. No one would know because there's no real experience sometimes in our lives of who Jesus is. The women are going there to see Jesus in the tomb and he's not there. And the angel says to them, go quickly and send this message. And you know what? They... We pick it up and it says this in in verse eight. It says, they rushed quickly to tell his disciples and their hearts were filled with fear, awe and great joy all at the same time. They experienced all the emotions, all the feelings, all at the same time. Scared because there's a crazy angel with lightning and pushing stones away and telling them that the reality of Jesus not being in the tomb and where is he? They They haven't seen Jesus. They've just seen that he's not there. Like, has someone taken it? Like, imagine the questions that they would still have. He doesn't give them any answers. He just says, go quickly and do this. And I love that despite being scared, despite maybe being a bit confused, they have this great joy that maybe Jesus is, this angel is right and he's alive. So they're awestruck, but they go quickly. You know, the fear was real. The fear that Jesus has just been killed. Imagine being the one running around giving the news that he's not in the tomb. Like there's legitimate fear there. And we might not have those same fears about Jesus not being in the tomb as what they did. But I reckon fear can be a great reason why we leave Jesus where he is. Fear that someone might think we're crazy for believing in that in the first place. Fear that we might just get rejected because we, we, we share that good news with someone and they, they don't accept it. And we feel fear or out fear of rejection. but there is a sense in the fear that there's this great excitement and they do it anyway. Their experience caused them to go quickly, not cautiously, I think there's a lot in this, they went quickly, passionately. And I believe the reason why they did that is because there was some compelling news to be told. Can you imagine it? You're You're going to see Jesus, going to mourn Jesus, I want to take care of the tomb. He's not there anymore. Go and tell everyone. What great news. What exciting news. You know, I love th- th- this word, of, of this idea of compelling. You know, sometimes when I think of that, it's like I'm compelled to because I have to. That's, that's not what this is getting at here. Compelling is when you're just like, this is so awesome, I just have to keep going. I'll use this as an example. Last night in my house, there was a party party. Anybody else? Yeah, so cool that she, she won Wimbledon. And I was like, oh, I'll stay up for a bit. You know, Saturday night. I want to get to bed early. I know I'm speaking in the morning. Got to do the right thing. Get some sleep. She blitzes the first set. I'm like, awesome. I'm going to be in bed in 20 minutes. It's so good. 40-minute match. Suddenly, it starts getting a little bit more even. And she loses the second set. I'm furious. I'm like, I'm going to bed. Furious. I'm like, she'll probably win, and I'm going to be Furious. Be more furious if I stay up and she loses. I'm going to bed. And I I probably got up like two or three times. I'm like, hurry up. And then she breaks her and then she gets broken again. I'm like, Ash, you're killing me. I need to be in bed. And then it ends. And I'm like, cool, I'm going to go to bed. And then there's like all the cool stuff that happens, like the interviews and like those royal people, whatever their names are, are like coming out and they're talking to every ball boy. I'm like, hurry up. I just want to see her get the trophy. This is boring. But I, I didn't go to bed. I sat and I watched it. And then I look and it's like 11.30. I'm, like, I'm in a world of hurt. Then she starts like, giving her a speech. I'm like, oh, just watched the speech. This is cool. This is history. Runs up and hugs Gary. Love that her boyfriend's name is Gary. <laughs> He's a legend. Gaz. I'm getting invested in this. And I look and I'm like, it's way too late. And I like drag myself off to bed. You know what? There's something about that for me that was compelling enough. That didn't matter what I had on in the morning. Didn't matter what time my kids were going to ferret out of bed. And it was early this morning. I was like, "Come on, been up late watching the tennis. Don't do that." They're up early, waking everyone up in the house, dressed for church at six a.m. I'm like, "Oh, I'm tired." What is it that was gripping me? It was compelling, wasn't it? The tennis was. We all have these things in our lives. Maybe it's a movie. It's a TV show. Maybe it's social. There's things in our lives that we find compelling, and they're compelling enough that we'll get a little bit up and about. Maybe we'll break our routine for it. Maybe we'll get a bit excited about it. I'm normally very quiet at nighttime when my kids are asleep, and I'm like, come on, Ash! Like at the top of my lungs. Like I've followed a whole career. Probably the first game I've ever watched I play. <laughs> Wimbledon final is a bit of history, you know? Like, how many people just tuned in to Wimbledon for like, the first time ever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's compelling. The news of Jesus rising from the dead and wanting to be real and alive and active in our lives should be compelling. Like it should be compelling news. So compelling that you don't know what's going on and you're fearful and you're confused and you're given a message. They'd be excused for maybe going cautiously or going, hey, can you verify this for us? Or we'll wait for Jesus or we'll We'll wait until someone else comes and sees. And then they, no, 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 no. They rushed quickly with the good news. It was compelling news. It was the most important thing in their life. And so they went, not knowing what to do, but they went. They've had this invitation to come and see. And they've taken it up. News that's going to change their entire life. Their entire experience, all of their faith, more than they even realized in that moment. This was the starting moment of something new for these women. And they rush with the compelling news to tell their friends. You know, if Jesus is in the tomb still, it can't be compelling for us. Like if I'm not compelled by who Jesus is to, not just to tell people, but if I'm not compelled to experience him in my life, it tells me that where I've got him is in the tomb. Not that I believe that he's dead. But I'm living as if he's irrelevant. The tomb in our day and age is not that Jesus is dead. It's that faith is irrelevant. That Jesus is irrelevant. Most people would admit that he's a, a, a man that lived and was a prophet and a teacher. And, and in fact, yes, that he did die around the time the Bible said that he did. You know what the point of difference is for people? Is did he rise from the dead or not? The whole sticking point for the Christian faith is that he rose from the dead. That he is not dead, that he is not in a tomb, that he's not irrelevant, that he's not silent, but he is alive and active in our lives. And it should compel us to get a little bit excited about that. You know, 21 days is a great thing, but every day should be like those 21 days. Not necessarily fasting, but where we hope and deliberately set aside time. To have an experience of Jesus and who he is in our lives and why it matters. Continue in these last few verses of this thing, and it says, Along the way, Jesus suddenly appeared in front of them and said, Rejoice. They were so overwhelmed by seeing him that they bowed down and grasped his feet in worship. Then Jesus said to them, Throw off all your fears, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, they will find me there. I love that after they made the decision to go, after they made the decision to hurry, after they realized the excitement and the joy and the importance and the compelling news that they, they faced, Jesus just pops up. They're on the way, running down the road. Hey guys. And they don't have a fearful response. They, they What does it say? Like they fall down, they worship him. They're having a real experience and encounter with the living Jesus. And they go from having a tomb experience, a tomb view of Jesus, to the experience of a risen Christ in their life. Up until that point, it was kind of like, you know, almost true. Like an angel was pretty convincing. Don't see one of those every day. Yeah, I think, come and see, yep, he's not, he's not here. If I'm thinking through my mind, I'm like, he's not here, but like, where could he be? Like, has someone moved him? Like, is this a joke? Is this a trick? Like, this sort of stuff doesn't happen every day. Yeah, it's enough for me to go on. So they go, and then Jesus sees them go, and I think he's like, all right, now it's time. Bang, and he appears. And they have an experience and a worship experience with Jesus. He doesn't hang around for a long time. He just says, throw off all your fears, look, This is legit. Don't be fearful of this. This is not a scary moment. This is a moment of celebration. Go and I'll meet you. Go tell and I'll meet you. And they continue on their way. You know what this goes from? It goes from information to relationship. From information to to revelation, if you will. It goes from, I've heard about Jesus being risen. Someone's told me. To I've seen and I've experienced it in my own life. We can know about things. You could know about, we'll keep using her name this morning because it's relevant. You, you could know about Ash Barty. I can know that her boyfriend's name is Gary. That he wore shorts, a t-shirt and a hat to a Wimbledon final. I can know that she's the world number one. I can know that she won. I, I, I could, but I don't know her at all. Never met her. You can know a whole bunch of facts about Jesus. You can listen to what I got to say this morning and hopefully somewhere along the line it informs you something about your relationship with Jesus. Like that would be my hope this morning that you walk out of here and you're like, out of all the ramblings that that guy gave, I kind of think I know a little bit more about Jesus in my life now. But it is secondhand information. Secondhand information. For those of us that grow up in church, often it's secondhand information. My son will ask me questions about Jesus and the Bible. This morning he got a good uh, lesson in our prayer meeting about memory verses. <laughs> but the reality is it's, it's me telling him something that he has to experience for himself before it's going to be real to him. And my teaching could be compelling. My stories about what, what God is doing in my life can be compelling. The, the decisions I make could set a good example for him and teach him things. And that is so important. I'm not writing that off angel appearing to the women was enough to get them going but it was information come and see some more information when does it become real and revelation I reckon it's the moment that Jesus pops down and go see it's real you will truly only know the relevance of Christ in your life and the reality of Christ in your life when it becomes personal revelation when you seek him for yourself when you Jesus, I want to know more about you. I realize that you're not irrelevant. I realize you don't just live in the tomb. You're not, you're not silent. You're not in the distance. You actually want to speak to me. Throughout our 21 days, so much more I felt just God speaking to me, just dropping thoughts into my mind. I, I would call people or, or, or message just because my ears were more attuned. And so I'd be like, hey, how did you, what, what made you think to get in contact with you? I'm, like, I'm just a really kind and caring guy. I'm like, no, that's, they're like, no, you're not. <laughs> but I've been mean, like, oh, I just, just, just got a sense that maybe everything's not all right. Yeah, it's not. I'm reading my, my Bible and having more time to just reflect on it. What does this mean? Dig into it a little bit more. Just take it from being information to, to something that will actually change my life. See, sharing the gospel is not about going and telling. It's almost like more like a go and show, if you will. Because otherwise he's going and giving information, which is useful. And information is helpful and will help guide and steer people. But you know what will cause people to ask questions is when they see the reality of what Jesus has done in your life. You know what they're gonna wanna do? You're gonna be able to invite them to come and see. Come and see. But there's no point in go and tell and there's no point in about go and just tell everyone the good news if, if, if honestly the Jesus we're showing people is a tomb Jesus oh, are you, a, are you a Christian? Yeah, I am. I go to, I go to church once every kind of three weeks or four weeks. Or, um, and, I, and, I, and I read my Bible kind of sometimes. Or well, I go to church every week. It's the habit that I built in, in, in my life. That's great, but why is Jesus real? Like, what did he do? What was the last thing that he did in your life that caused a change? What would someone see in your life and ask a question about that, what that is? And you go, that's because of my faith. Not a, like, I don't do that like you do. or No, nah, I, don't, I don't engage in those kind of activities because I'm a Christian. We don't need to use those kind of words. That's information. And again, when it comes up, it's information. But what causes people to ask a question about your life? That you would go, that's Jesus. That's the reality of Jesus in my life. Or do I just show him? Or am I showing people a tomb Jesus? Yeah, he's that guy in the Bible. Yeah, just read it. Let's argue about historical facts. Let's let's not talk about it at all because I'm a little bit too scared that I might get rejected or someone might think I'm weird. All of these things that are barriers to us going and showing the good news of Jesus to people. The reality is until we've had a come and see experience, a moment of going... Yep, he's real in my life. He's alive and he's active. And I have a real experience with who Jesus is in my life. Something that we are all invited to have. It's not exclusive. It's not for those that get it the most right. It's not for those that spend the most time reading their Bible. You know, the more you chase after who Jesus is, the more he'll be real and active in your life. We've all experienced over these last few weeks what happens when we quieten the noise of the world around us and make more time for Jesus, makes a huge difference. Makes a huge difference. The gospel life is living out of the experienced relationship of Jesus. And the question I've simply got for us this morning is where does Jesus sit in your heart this morning? Is he in a tomb somewhere? This is not to make us feel bad because for all of us, I think there's times where our perspective is tomb Jesus. Yep. Grateful for that kind of part of my life, but I'm just going to shelve it here for now. The women would have been freaked out, I reckon. I would have been freaked out in that situation. I probably been, would have been like the guards, like, yep, yep, I'm out. <laughs> if I don't know if I, if I from my eyes, they, they won't. if I can't see you, you can't see me. But the reality is, All of that stuff that gets in the way was not enough to get in their way. And their lives were changed forever because of it. And no doubt, without jumping too far ahead in the story, so were many others. When I look at my life, I just wonder what the people in my world that don't know me as a pastor would think. What would they see? What would their experience be? My hope would be that they think there's something different about me that make, and they're curious about that. I hope they don't think I'm weird, but I really don't care if they do. Although sometimes I must because I leave Jesus kind of tombed away, if you will. But if he is real and this news that we have received is real, which it is, spoiler alert, it's real. And Jesus wants to move in your life. Then we've got to take him out of the tomb. And we've got to start having real experiences And that's a daily thing. It's a daily decision. It's a daily decision to go, am I going to leave you here today or am I going to allow you to be active in my life? Because he wants to be. Every day is a new opportunity to come and see what Jesus has for you. What a cool thought when you get out of bed. Come and see. Come with me. Come and see. Come and experience. Come and change. You know, we don't ever want to forget the fact that Jesus died. Like, that's not the aim of the story, is to go, his death is is so important. In fact, there's this quote, and it says, The salvation he wrought through his death, the victory that he won, and the obedience he displayed will stand for eternity. And you know what stands for eternity? is that Jesus died. For me, for you, for the people in our world, for everybody. He was obedient. He didn't want to do it. He was obedient because of his love for us. And that stands for eternity. People, like I mentioned earlier, don't often dispute that Jesus was alive, that he did great things, he even did miracles, that he was a teacher. Like, that's not hugely always the thing that's disputed. The reality of him. And you know what? He did that. He went to the cross. He chose it. He went and did it. He did the hard yards. He went through all of that for for you and for me. And we're going to take communion in a moment. And that's what this is about, Taking communion is that recognition of the sacrifice of Jesus for you and for me. Hey, you know what else is cool? Just side note: is you're going to get take your mask off to take communion. That's cool, right? You know, if you're at home, you might want to quickly go and grab some juice and some bread or whatever you got in your fridge. Some milk doesn't really matter. You can grab something and you can take communion. You know, it is remembering that Jesus did that for you and He did it for me, and it's all time and it stands. For all of eternity. But you know what? Our responsibility now is to live like he's not dead anymore. Sometimes I take communion and I'm literally thinking, like, thanks for dying, Jesus. Appreciate your sacrifice. It's not a flipping thing, like, I mean it. But I just leave the whole bit about how he rose from the dead and he's real and there's, there's more to the story. Is the personal revelation of who Jesus is. And so as we take communion this morning in the reflection and in the quiet of your heart, answer this question together. Is Jesus in the tomb? Or is he a real, live and active part of my life? And to say a simple prayer to help him to help you to come and see daily. Lord, I wanna come and see daily. Lord, I wanna experience Daily. It's not head knowledge. Faith is not head knowledge. It's a real experience of Jesus in your life to come and see. Come and see that he is good. Come and see that his plan for your life is good. Come and see that he wants your life to be different from everybody else's. Because of the difference that he makes in your life. Heart knowledge of who Jesus is. I can think back to when a lot of this stuff was new to me and how exciting it was probably the age of these guys in the, in the second row and my life changed for what I thought it was gonna change forever and it did but now I think how often do I just take that for granted because it's no longer new and I kind of go yep Jesus just not now no nah, not these people oh that's too hard yep I recognize that you died but daily I want to come and see what you've got for me today because you're not the saviour that sat in a tomb all that time ago you're here inviting me to come and see daily. So my encouragement to you as you take communion is to realize that yes, he died for you. He died for your sin and my sin and so that we could have a relationship with him and that is the, the crux of the gospel. He died for you and for me. But if you need to take him out of the tomb of your own life and come and see daily, We cannot show an experience of Jesus to someone that we have not had. And if he's not real to you and he's not real to me, he's not going to be real to anybody else. He'll just be a guy that's in a tomb. Irrelevant like the world sometimes thinks that he is. But we know that he's relevant. And so your invitation this week will be this, just to to pray a simple prayer every day. Lord, I want to come and see. Jesus, help me to come and see, Jesus come with me and show me I want to walk with you and create some space in your life to do that and just see what he does not saying you need to run out and tell everybody immediately about Jesus and and go this week's about worrying about who's Jesus to me and where is the reality of him in my life and my heart and as I say that I'm asking me that as much as I'm asking anybody else daily I want to get up and I want to come and I want to sing. And so we're gonna, I'm going to pray we're gonna take communion together. The team are going to lead us in some songs and so you can take that communion and when you're ready, you can stand and you can worship and we're going to sing these songs that speak truth about who Jesus is. I'd encourage you to not just sing them, not just read them, but actually pray them and absorb them for the truth that they are. That He is real and He is alive. What I love about songs is sometimes they just help us articulate what we can't do ourselves. They give us words sometimes when we don't have words. And so these songs are designed to be prayers of truth in our lives and the reality of Jesus in our lives. They're written based off the reality of the author's experience of Jesus in their life. And they share that with us and we get to experience and partake in that. And so we're going to have a moment of reflection. The team will probably just sing quietly for a bit and just have a heart check And where is Jesus in my life Jesus if you're in the tomb I know you're not there anymore I want to take you out allow me to come and see more of your goodness and who you are allow me to experience more of that make it more compelling in your life would you be louder in my life than anything else so that I would feel compelled to pursue you to come and to see let's pray together why don't we Yeah, we can stay seated. Lord, I thank you that, yes, you went to to the cross for, for each one of us, that you gave your life, that you did it obediently, and that truth stands the test of time. And, Lord, we are so grateful that you wanted relationship with us enough that you would do that. But, Lord, I pray in my life and in the lives of this tribe at True North Church that we would not leave you in a tomb, that that would not be our experience of you, But our experience would be a daily adventure of, I want to come and see. I want to walk with you. I want more of what you have for me. Lord, may I have access to that. May you be real in my life. The real risen Jesus there to walk alongside with and do life. with. And may that news change us from the inside out, Lord. Day by day. Would we become more attuned to who you are and what you're saying and speaking to us? Before we even think about going and telling, may we come and see so that we could show people the reality of a Jesus that lives in our lives, that is real, active, and relevant. Lord, we praise you. We worship you. When you're ready, you can take communion. Thanks, team, for leading us.